Good morning. So nice to see you all this morning. Um, there's not much going on in announcements. Uh, we ask that anyone at home please share, or you can share now the feed. Uh, bring a friend. Lanny is like, if we were to have a punch card of most friends brought, Lanny is like leading everybody right now. He's, he's getting that free coffee soon. <laughs> um, before I lead us into worship, I'd like to read this to you and remind you who we are worshiping right now. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breath of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket, or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord, or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him, and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge, or showed him the path of understanding? Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of the world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows them away and they, are, and they wither and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host, one by one, and calls forth each one of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. And yet this God became one of us. Fully God, fully human, he dwelled with us. And he led us, and he taught us, and he loved us. He found the most brokenhearted, and he ushered them in and gave them hope and told them the good news of salvation. And he put himself in that shameful, shameful position of punishment and torture where we belonged and defeated death so that we could be with him. Could you please stand? Father, we stand in awe of you and gratitude of everything you've done for us in worship and praise for a God that gives us grace and mercy that we do not deserve. How you loved us, how you reach down into the pit and find us and lead us. You come running to us from across the field and embrace us and welcome us in. I pray if there is a heart here that's hearing this and is not that has not accepted you, I pray today is the day. I pray for our loved ones, our friends, our enemies to know you, to know the truth, and to be changed, to be born again, to die to themselves. Father, accept our worship. 
I pray that it would be accepting and pleasing to your ear today. In the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus, amen. Belongs to you, and every fear I 
I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And if you are for me, who can be against me? For Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you.
worship you. You are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are.
beside you, all around you, and within you. He is with you, He is with you, in the morning, in the evening, and you're coming, and you're going, and you're weeping, and rejoicing. He is for you, He is for you. Before we get started, I have uh, uh, three things I need from you I'm going to ask you for. Uh, as you're turning to Acts chapter 8, we're going to be in Acts chapter 8. But as you're turning there, all right, I got three problems, three awesome problems to have that I want to share with you and, and ask you to help out with. All right, number one, our benevolence fund is down to like 100 bucks. Our benevolence fund is our help fund. We have the awesome privilege when somebody comes to us and they're like, man, I need some help. We get to help them out, right? That's what the church is all about, helping our brothers and sisters out, right? So we get that awesome opportunity. But our fund is down. So if you can, give towards that. If you just mark help or benevolence fund on your, on your offering and want to give that way, you can give online. You can give any way you want to. There's some offering places out there. We'd, we'd love for you to help out with that. Number two, we're out of Bibles. We give away Bibles. And so uh, we buy nice Bibles. They are life application study Bibles. They are free. If you don't have a Bible, you better take one, all right? Please take one because that's an awesome opportunity for us to share God's Word, and that's what we're called to do as well. Besides helping people, we're, we're called to share God's Word. So if you need a study Bible, they're back there on either side. There's two left. That's all we got. So if you would like to give towards them, uh, we'll take your money for that too, all right? Third thing. Um, I would love to help Sheila's church out. Um, I feel kind of intertwined with them because of Doc, because of Sheila. We love them, previous pastor and wife. Um, with Doc passing away, that is a heavy load for her to, to be under. So what can we do to help out? I'd love to make a care box or something like that. Somebody wants to take on that opportunity. Uh, maybe we can send money. Maybe we can just send items. Maybe we send Bibles. Maybe we can send whatever it is. Maybe God's going to lay something on your heart that we can send to them. All right, let's do that. Let's, let's, uh, let's do that. And if somebody wants to come up to me after church and say, hey, I will take that on, I would be glad for you to do that. All right? So three awesome opportunities. You're, we're out of money to give away. We're out of Bibles to give away, and we got a church to help out. What, what could be better problems or opportunities than that, right? All right. 
Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 8, as you're turning there or finishing turning there, anybody watch the movies, or, the, or you will date yourself if you answer this, all right, the movies Mission Impossible or the TV series Mission Impossible, all right, how many people watch the TV series Mission Impossible, anybody, all right, a few, yeah, you, you guys are the old people, all right, just so you know, if you didn't know that already, but um, I'm more the movies person, so I'm like only half old. And some of you who probably don't even know what Mission Possible is, you're the young people. That's, that's who we are in here. But as you know, if you've watched that show or if you've watched that movie, at the start of every one of them, it always starts off with a secret agent and a message, right? Secret agent and a message. And the agent gets this message and the voice starts out, your mission, should you choose to accept it, right? And then it goes into some crazy over-the-top mission, dangerous assignment with little chance of success, right? It is mission impossible. Of course, the agent always accepts that mission and goes along with it. And then from there, it's just one wild, crazy ride, right? Uh, Weapons, explosives, cool spy equipment, masks. I don't know, did they have the masks in the TV show? Like, it seems like in the movies, they're always ripping off the mask and pretending to be somebody else that they're not. I don't know if they probably didn't have that for the TV shows, but all these helicopters, people sliding and jumping off of skyscrapers. It's just one crazy adventure, right? As you read the book of Acts, the book of Acts is one crazy adventure, right? Crazy things that God asked the church to do. God asked people in the church to do with hardly any chance of success, and yet God comes through, makes a way, And the church absolutely explodes. The church explodes at a time when it is being persecuted, right? When everything is coming against it, it explodes. I also believe there are some parallels besides just in with the church, but in our lives as well, as sons and daughters of God's throughout our lives, at various points, God whispers to us. He calls to us. He opens a door. He gives us an unexpected meeting. And it's like the Mission Impossible theme starts. Right? He whispers, your mission, should you choose to accept it. And then he gives you something. Go, go speak to this person. Go reach out to this person. Go help carry this burden of this person. Right? And we have a choice whether or not we accept the mission. That's what I want us to think about today and talk about today. The choice is very real. I'm reminded in the story of Esther, right? She is faced with this point where all the Jews are getting ready to be killed in this country that she's living in. And she has a choice whether or not to respond. Now that choice on whether or not to respond, what she is asked to do might cost her her life, right? She knows what she's called to do, But when she thinks about that, she hesitates, right? Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't with something that would cost you your life? Mordecai sends her word recorded in Esther 4.13. You don't have to turn here. I'll read it. Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this, right? 
for such a time as this. Notice Mordecai, Mordecai says, hey, if you don't step up, somebody else is going to. That's his faith. He believes that God is going to save the Jews one way or another. But he's like, don't you think that you're in this place, in this position for just this reason? He sees God's hand in that. Yeah, God might use another person, but God has given you first choice. Will you respond? And you know the story of Esther, this scared young lady, right? With the weight of a nation on her, takes a leap of faith, faces death. And she says this in verse 16. This is amazing. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. If I perish, I perish. She's willing to step out on faith and trust her faith to God. Whatever happens, And of course, God uses her to save his people, right? This is the call. This is what we're invited to as a part of his church. It's not just to study stories. It's to live the story, right? It's not to learn the history of the church only. It's to be a part of writing the history of the church. We aren't just here to read about God using other people to do things. We are invited by God to be used by God to reach people for God. Amen? Amen. What an amazing privilege that we have. What an amazing responsibility that we have. And I hope each and every one of us realize that we are all called if we have given our lives to christ if we have accepted him as lord and savior he will call each and every one of us to this work not the pastor just not just the sunday school not just the religious leaders in the church each and every one of us he'll call us the choice though is up to each and every one of us as well and whether or not we will respond. Every one of us, no matter your past, no matter who you are, no matter how much money you have, no matter what you look like, no matter how old you are, how young you are, no matter if you're handicapped, no matter what, right? God will call you to be a part of His story. God will call you. People say Christianity is boring, right? Christianity is boring. I used to think that. I hated coming to church. I've told you that before. I hated coming to church. It was boring until I realized that I was a part of it. Until I realized I was called to it. That I have amazing responsibilities to fill. Until I realized that I partner with the Holy Spirit. We're We're called to partner with God to change lives. There's nothing boring about that. We're partnered with God to change a community. There's nothing boring about that. We're we're called by God to change a world. There's nothing boring about that. Well, how does this happen? To live this type of adventure God has for us, a shift must take place. A shift must take place. We saw it in Esther. We must be willing to move from routine to risk. From routine to risk. I think most of us have routines. They're not bad things, right? They're good things. They get us through the day until they become a rut. And that's what we need to be careful of. Sometimes routines 
become ruts. Have you ever, I was just driving down my driveway, which is horrible. I'm sorry, you guys, when you come over and you pick up the kids. I'm sorry, our driveway is bad, right? And sometimes there are these ruts in our driveway, and, and Adavi had to help push me. Um, I pushed, right? You drove. Yeah, we got into this rut, right? <laughs> Be careful there. But I don't know how, but somehow there's this little rut in the ice, and it was just a little one, and somehow we got into it, and no matter which way we turned the car wheels or anything like that, it just... It, it wanted to take us where we didn't want to go. But that's what a rut does, right? That's what a rut does. No matter what you are, you turn or what you do to turn, you can't get out of them. Sometimes we don't even realize we're in them. We've just been doing this for so long. Somebody, sometimes we don't realize we created them, right? Sometimes we don't even question where are we going. Is this what I want for my life? I hope you question that right now. Is this what I want for my life? Is this what it's all about? I think as we get older, we have these moments and we wake up and we're like, is this it? Is this it? Is this what I was called to do? And maybe at that moment we realize we're in a rut, right? I heard a story from a pastor that has a friend in Canada. And he said that in the area that they live in, they have two seasons, only two seasons, winter and July. Winter in July. And he says that it snows and it's cold for 11 months out of the year. And then July comes along, though, and everything thaws out and it just becomes one sloppy mess for a month. And they say in this time, it is very, you have to be very careful because uh, the locals say you have to choose your ruts very carefully because those ruts you're going to be stuck with for 11 more months after everything freezes up. There's even a sign that says choose your ruts carefully because you'll be in them the next 60 years. Isn't that true for our lives though? Or it can be true for our lives. I think that's a warning for us. We don't understand what are we committing ourselves to sometimes when we, when we take steps and we add things to our lives. We get caught in certain routines. We find ourselves in these ruts. We have intentions of doing things different right? Of engaging spiritually, of doing things different in our marriages, in our families, with our friendships, with other people, but we just end up in that same rut. Last year and and even this year has felt like a rut for me. I don't know about you, but there are times that I was at work and I asked my assistant, what day is it? Like, I'm not making that up. I asked, what day is it? Because I cannot remember what day it was. If you have to ask somebody what day it is, you're probably in a rut. A rut where every day feels the same. You're no, you know you're in a rut when you have no motivation to change where you're at, and so you just numb yourself to the feelings, to the distractions. You flip on the TV for some noise. You know you're in a rut when you know you need to make a change, but you just feel like there's nothing you can do about it. You're stuck, right? Maybe you blame yourself. Maybe you blame your parents. Maybe you blame other people. Or maybe you just blame your situation, right? Jesus said in John 10.10, Look, look, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full, right? Right? To have it abundantly. 
Jesus did not come so that you could just kind of get through this life and make it to heaven. There's far more to it. He came so that you could experience life to its fullest. To its fullest. And despite what that TV evangelist says that maybe you listen to, we're not talking about life to the fullest as in a big bank account. Right? We're not talking about life to the fullest as in you will never be inconvenienced. Your life will all be about comfort. The times that I have experienced life to the full have been the exact opposite of that. Some of the times when I have been the poorest, when I have been out of money and not knowing where that money is going to come from have been some of the most exciting times in my life. The times that I am totally uncomfortable Right, Adria, when you get up and you have to pray for people and you pray about the things and you're totally uncomfortable and you feel totally inadequate, those times that you feel totally inconvenienced, those have been some of the most amazing times in my life. That's life to the fullest. It's more of an amazing adventure with twists and turns and filled with risk. That's when life is to the fullest. All right, Acts chapter 8. Interesting fact about this book. The book of Acts was written by one person, Luke, to one person, right? So one person wrote this whole entire book to one person. That was his audience that he was writing to. So he did all of this work, gathered all this research, put this all together for one person. And I think it should be a good reminder for us on how the church should be focused at going after one person how important that is. Jesus tells a parable, right, of a shepherd who leaves 99 sheep to go after the one. Story after story in the Bible, it is all about the one, the one person. And I guess my question is to us, are we willing to go after the one, regardless of who that one person is? This is something that God has just been revealing to me more and more recently. My, my goal is to reach numbers, right? But that's not where it's at. Man, God's been showing me. No, it's about going after the one. It's about each and every one of us going after the one. The last couple of weeks, I've been seeing this more and more. My, my heart has been being drawn to the ones. I want to intertwine my lives with the ones, if they'll let me, right? Sometimes they won't let you. But I want to put it out there. I want to do that. A lot of people like the Branch Life sermon series. That's what we started with, the Branch Life sermon series. And a part of that series, a part of that message is we intertwine our lives, right? The dead branches that are picked up and reattached to the vines are intertwined with stronger branches, A lot of us like that, but are we doing it? Are we willing to do it? That's the question that I want us to think about. It'll be hard. It'll be uncomfortable, right? It'll be inconvenient, but it'll be the best thing ever. The best thing ever. Ministry is messy. I'm just going to tell you, man, I want to go after the, anyone that comes into my path. 
anyone. I don't care who they are. I don't care if they're a member of the other political party, right? I want to go after them. I want you to go after them. I'm not naive. I know sometimes it's not going to work out. I know sometimes we're going to get taken advantage of, right? Maybe one out of ten times it works out. That'd be worth it for me, right? Let's go after them. I know tough love is going to come into play, but I want us to go after them. I want, I want you to go after them, no matter who you are, no matter what your past is, no matter what your history is. I want you to see, I want you to see yourself as God sees you. He was willing to go after you, right? And he was willing to go through the cross. And I know you love people. You care about people. So go after them. Go after them with whatever you have, right? And allow God to direct your paths and give you those opportunities. All right, Acts chapter 8, we, reach, we read about a man named Philip. There are two Philips in the entire New Testament that I know of. One Philip was the apostle, one of the 12. Then there's another Philip who we're going to read about here. One time I preached on Ananias, and there's like three Ananiases right all together, and it confused some people. So just not to be confused, we're not talking about the apostle. We're talking about Philip. Sometimes he's called Philip the evangelist. All right, he was one of the seven deacons of the church in uh, Jerusalem. He was one of the people that was chosen to help distribute food to the widows. You remember that story in Acts? Uh, he was in the Jerusalem church, became a deacon, became a leader in a church, and persecution broke out. Heavy persecution. The Bible says a great persecution broke out, and a lot of the people were scattered in the church to other areas. So Philip was scattered and wound up in Samaria. All right? So what's he do there? Doesn't complain about being there. He just starts preaching Christ, right? And um, this would have been an incredibly risky move. People did not like Jews, right? A A Jew from Jerusalem would not have been welcome in Samaria, especially if they're coming to start this new church. But Philip obeys God's leading, and he goes and starts this new church. Acts 8.12 says, But now the people in Samaria believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. And as a result, many men and women were baptized. All right, so Philip leaves the Jerusalem church, starts this new church in Samaria, and it's exploding. Peter and John come, they lay hands on people, the Holy Spirit comes, fills people, right? Things are going really well. All kinds of transformations are happening in this church. And then we come to verse 26, and this is where I want to pick it up. So would you stand with me in honor of God's word? Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 26. And I have to get a bigger Bible. Yeah, (laughs) I'm going to get those sometime. No, I'm not. All right. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless somebody explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of Scripture. 
He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along a road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's some water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. You may be seated. Okay, so in the midst of a church exploding, right? Verse 26 says, As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, one of the things that stood, stood out to me when I was reading this is he's called to go down this desert road. It was a, a road in the middle of nowhere, right? And, and don't miss this. You see, Philip has a lot of things going on where he was, right? He's a big part of what God is doing at this new church. And God calls him away from that. Now, knowing how God is, and maybe you can attest to this, I'm sure God calls him away at a time that would seem inconvenient, right? He sends him down this road in the middle of the desert. It's not the type of road that you would go to if you wanted to make a difference with your life. It's a desert road. And from Philip's perspective, I'm sure he thought, well, wait, why would I go down this desert road in the middle of nowhere when I'm making a big difference right here, right? It didn't seem very logical, and yet that's what God calls him to do. I mean, instead of sending an angel in my mind, instead of sending an angel to Philip and saying, Philip, leave this ministry where lots of things are happening, go down to this desert road where there's nobody at, you know, and, and wait for me, I would think, Lord, why didn't you just send the angel to the eunuch, right, and, and bypass the middleman? Why does he why does he do that? And I think the first thing that we need to learn is um, the reason is God invites us to be part of the story, right? In everyone's lives. He wants us to go after the one. He wants us, he wants us to be used to accomplish his purposes. He calls the church to carry on the work that he started, right? And he gives us these opportunities the second thing I want us to learn is that God goes through great length to reach just one person. The angel tells Philip to go down this road, gets called away from the crowds of people to meet one person. And my friends, this is our commitment as a church. Right? It is a commitment to do the impractical, to do the unreasonable to go at great length to show the love of Jesus Christ to one person. It is a privilege, right? It is a privilege 
to be inconvenienced. It is a privilege to be made uncomfortable. It is a privilege to take a risk, to reach one person. When is the last time you did something impractical, unreasonable, to reach one person for Christ? Is it this week? Is it in the last month? Has it been a year? Has it been five years? My friends, this should not be a once in a blue moon type thing. It should not. If we are walking in step with the Holy Spirit, this should be a regular part of our lives. And I would ask myself, is this a regular part of my life? You see, there are opportunities all the time if you're willing to serve. There are opportunities all the time to reach someone if you are willing. I was talking to a guy this week, and um, he thought his past disqualified him from being used by God. And I know he's not the only one that thinks this way. And I told him, God used Moses, and that dude killed somebody. Right? Killed somebody in cold blood. You read the Bible, you see a bunch of people with some troubling past. You remember Paul? Paul was going after the church, persecuting church, having people thrown into jail. And God reached him and used him. Right? No, I said, no, that's not the question. It's not about your past. Don't worry about your past. You can't do anything to change it. The question is, are you willing to move forward and be used by God? That's what he's asking. And that's what I would ask each and every one of you. Are you willing to be used by God? Are you willing to sacrifice time? Are you willing to sacrifice money? Are you willing? The way that we get to be part of this adventure that God calls us to is, is really simple. It just involves taking a risk. Right? It involves moving from routine to risk. You've got to get out of the rut. You've got to be willing to get out of the rut. You've got to be willing to get a bit uncomfortable or maybe incredibly inconvenient. And that's what you see with Philip, right? That's what you see throughout the Gospels. How many times was Jesus inconvenienced by somebody? Time and time again. This call did not come at a good time for Philip. But I love what he says in verse 27. It simply says, So he started out. God calls him, and he responds. So he started out. Like there are so many questions I'm sure he has. Right? Where am I going? What am I going to be doing? But he just starts walking. I had plans to do something different today, but apparently he is willing to cancel those plans. Apparently he is willing to change his calendar, reschedule some appointments. I'm sure there were things he had to do, important things he had to do, but he just starts out, right? And he goes, in the heat of the day, to this place on the road to the middle of nowhere, and he doesn't have a clue why he's going, right? He doesn't have a clue. He just goes. God doesn't explain to him what's going on. 
There's no script that he gets handed. Here's what's going to happen. I'm a, I've got somebody that I want you to meet and speak to you. He's going to be reading Isaiah, and here's what you tell him. Right? He doesn't give, you, doesn't give him any of that. And I think that's the thing for us that we kind of struggle with. We want to be part of the mission, right? We want to reach people for Christ and tell them about Jesus Christ. But sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's scary. Sometimes it's inconvenient. And we just steer clear of it. If God wants you to talk to somebody, right, don't you struggle with that? Don't you struggle with what am I going to say? Where will this conversation go? What if he takes it in a place that I can't answer him? It's like we're on a leash. I know you've heard about elephants and, and the stories of leashes, right? These are incredibly strong animals. And yet, at birth, they get these leashes that are put on that they cannot break. And they are conditioned to believe that they cannot break this leash as they grow up. The leash stays the same, though. They grow a lot stronger. They could easily break the leash. But they're so conditioned to think that they can't. They don't even try. It didn't work when you were younger. It won't work today. The Bible tells us, though, that the same power that brought Jesus back from the grave is available to us today. We have this power. We have this strength that comes from Christ. And yet, most of us are held by a leash. A leash of fear. A leash of comfort. A leash of uncertainty. Whatever that leash is, Jesus broke it a long time ago. Or He gives you the strength to break it now. Do not stay with that conditioning Verse 27, so Philip started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority. So we know this person is Ethiopian. He's from Africa, about 1,500 miles away. We're also told he's a eunuch, and in that days a eunuch was a person who had been castrated before puberty. I'm not going to explain that. Because he was castrated before puberty, though, he would have retained a higher voice, a more feminine voice, he probably would not have the typical male body hair. He probably would have kept his hair because we know testosterone causes us to lose our hair, right? He also would have been probably taller when you were castrated. Um, you would grow taller. Don't ask me how I know that. Uh, so here's this person that is probably pretty tall, stands ahead of a foot ahead of everybody else, very feminine from another land, looks very different than him right? And I, I just want you to get this. I just want you to understand this, that this person would have been very different. And yet, isn't it awesome that God sends Philip to this person? That God's heart is for this person, right? Sometimes we are willing to reach out to people who look like us, who act like us, who vote like us, right? But we want to want to reach out to that person that doesn't vote for us. They're the enemy. Right? Hmm. Are we willing to be inconvenienced for people who don't look like us? Sometimes we're very gracious. We're very giving with people that look like us. Sometimes we're not so much when people are different. 
We need to be careful of that, my friends. Verse 27, Philip met the treasure of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority. He had a lot of power, had a lot of wealth. The eunuch had gone from Jerusalem to worship on his way home, was sitting in his chariot reading a book of Isaiah the prophet, and the Spirit told Philip to go to that chariot and stay near it. Okay, so get this picture in your mind. Here is Philip. I have no clue how long he's been walking, but he gets to this point where the Spirit leads him to go up to this chariot. And he goes up to this chariot and he hears the guy reading from the book of Isaiah. Specifically, Isaiah 53. All right, And it just so happens, and if you don't know, if you ever say it just so happens, all right, it didn't just so happen. All right? But it just so happens that this God-ordained meeting has an opportunity to talk about Isaiah 53. If you were to read, if you were to grab any chapter in the Old Testament, because there is no New Testament at this point, any chapter about the Old Testament that you wanted to talk to somebody about God, right, about the crucifixion, about the cross, this would be the chapter that you would. This is a God-ordained meeting, all right? So, written 700 years before Jesus was born. This chapter describes Jesus. Get this, it describes the crucifixion. Crucifixion has not been even invented at this point. And this is what Philip hears when he comes up to that chariot. Perfect timing. The ideal time to approach this person. Let me ask you this. What would have happened if the angel came to Philip and said, go, and Philip said, yes, but not right now? Yeah, I'll go, but let me finish this really important thing I have to do. Or yes, I'll go, but right now, not, I can't go right now because of this. I mean, it's in the middle of the desert, right? L- let me wait until the sun goes down. A little bit, it would be easier to travel, a little bit more comfortable to travel. Because if I go right now, it's just going to be super hot. Isn't this what we do when God asks us to do something? When he leads us to do something? Yes, Lord, I would do that, but not right now. Right? Let me get my life in order. Let me take care of this. I have a ton to do. I need to learn more about God. I need to learn more about evangelism. I need to learn the evangelism explosion method. Right? Excuse, excuse, excuse. Or it's, I'm terrified, right? Let's be honest. I'm terrified. I don't know what to say. I'm just, Lord, it just scares me, and I am not willing to go. Divine appointment just the right time to reach this person. Listen, something that we all need to get, all right? God was working on this person. The Holy Spirit was leading this person to read Isaiah 53. My friends, we partner with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit does all the heavy lifting. The Holy Spirit prepares hearts. So while you're scared to death to reach out to somebody, God is working behind the scenes. God is preparing a heart and he'll do all the heavy lifting. Do you think that God is going to lead you to something that you are totally incapable of doing? 
We partner with the Holy Spirit. He does the heavy stuff. He lines the shot up and just asks us to take it. Right now, God is working on people's hearts. Right? He is reaching out to people. He is lining things up. We don't realize it. We don't see it like we sang about. Right? We might see a person and think there is nothing that God can do to reach that person. That person is totally beyond everything. But He just wants us to take a risk and to do what He asks us to do. To take a risk. To be inconvenienced. To be uncomfortable. To be part of this amazing adventure. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. My friends, when you have that divine appointment to talk to somebody... Let the Holy Spirit lead that conversation. He will, right? And if it is a divine appointment, he will lead you in that direction. And you'll just have to hang on for the ride. Maybe you're the guy from Ethiopia and coming to church is something that you wouldn't have done a year ago, but God led you to it. Led you to tune in online, right? Do you know how many people that I would thought would be the last person to tune in to our church service have told me that they've tuned in, it blows my mind, right? I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you, I was getting ready to tell somebody off online over a political issue. <laughs> Must have been the Holy Spirit stopped me, right? And I posted something else instead, and that person responded to that and had a Jesus moment. I guarantee you that wouldn't have happened if I went after him, right? Hmm. If you're a person, you're watching this, you're here today, man, maybe this is a Jesus moment for you. And you, you need to realize there is a God who loves you, a God who pursues you, right? And a church that's called to do the same. Sometimes we're just a little scared. Give us a break. Give us a chance, though. Give us a chance to intertwine our lives with you because while we're scared we still love you right we want to reach out to us but we're we're not the best sometimes at that right he pursues people and gives us divine opportunities to be a part of it and that's what living life to the fullest looks like right Living life to the fullest is all about helping other people. There's nothing, in, nothing better in life than helping somebody. Verse 29, the Holy Spirit says, Go walk up alongside him in the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip says, Do you understand what you're reading? Do you get this? All right, I love how he starts off with a question. He doesn't go up and say, Hey, this angel of the Lord met me and said I needed to go to this area and paired me and told me to go to this road and then it just led me to come talk to you and because that would be weird, right? That would just be a little bit weird if somebody said that to you. No, he just says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? Let's the Holy Spirit lead the conversation. The man replied, how can I unless somebody instructs me? And he urges Philip to come up, get inside and tell me all about it, right? He gets invited into the carriage to sit with him. Verse 35, so beginning with that same scripture. So right where the man is at, right where the Holy Spirit has led this man up to this point, Philip tells him the good news about Jesus. He shares with him about 
Jesus. What he doesn't do is say, hey, you're from Ethiopia, you're a eunuch, and here's some things that you need to know about our Jewish traditions and, and this new rules and stuff that you have to follow. He doesn't do that, right? He doesn't say, hey, you're going to have to quit swearing. You need to dress better for church, right? He doesn't point out those things. The guy needs to change. He just shares the good news, the gospel. The gospel is not your morals. That's not going to save anybody. The good news of the gospel of Jesus is all about a God who loves you, who came to this earth to die for you. It's about realizing that you're a sinner and there is no hope for you except for accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Right? And about confessing that to the world around you to become a part of his church. Verse 36, as they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. Why is it that we feel like we have to convince people to be baptized? Right? Isn't that like, hey, you should be baptized? You know, This guy's like, hey, why can't I be baptized? That's the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't it be awesome to be a part of somebody giving their life to Jesus Christ? To seeing somebody get baptized. Wouldn't that be awesome if your kids did it? Your loved ones did it? Your friend did it? That person that you don't even know that's a member of the other political party, wouldn't it be awesome if they did it? Right? Then they could come to your political party, right? Just kidding. That's life to the fullest, though. I want a baptismal. All right, listen, guys. Help me out here. We need a baptismal here. I'd love to cut a hole in the floor right there, maybe where the cross is or somewhere, I don't know, where it makes more sense. You know, can we, can we cut a hole in there, put a tub in there, and then put something over top of it so that when it's not in use, it's not there. And then when we do use it, though, and, and please let it have a heater in there because every baptism I've done, the water is freezing, all right? Freezing. So, guys, if you have any ideas, see me about that or just make it happen. All right, but... I don't want to have to wait, though, until it's warm to baptize somebody, right? I don't want to have to wait. Let's do it, like, right now, you know? And I don't want to sprinkle you. You know, that's okay. But I want you to, I want you to go down into the water. I want you to realize that your old life is dead and that you come up a new creation. There's nothing magical about baptism. It's just a reminder. It's just a sign for you. All right, and God tells us, his word tells us that we should be baptized. All right, so if you haven't been baptized, talk to me. And as soon as we get this in, we'll, we'll do it. Or we'll figure out another way to do it. All right, stand with me. My friends, this week, I believe it, this week you will have opportunities to be inconvenienced, to be uncomfortable, to reach out, to serve somebody, to take a risk if you pray for it, if you listen for it. I guarantee you this week you'll have those opportunities if you're willing. And I pray that you're willing. I pray that each and every one of us realizes that we're not, our past does not disqualify us, right? 
that God gives us whatever we have and whatever we have, we can share that. Yeah, grow, right? So you can share more. Concentrate on growing in your faith, but share what you do have. You don't just come and hear about a sermon. Hopefully God is speaking to you and giving you something to share with other people that you come into contact with, right? Be in his word. Be in prayer. Be looking for that. God is, God is going to open up your eyes if you pray for it. He's going to put people in your path. And the question is, are you, going to be able, are you going to be willing to take that risk to share with that person? Are you going to be available? My friends, don't be content to hear other stories, to read about other stories, to read about other people taking leaps of faith. I like to play video games. Don't be content playing the video game of life where you just pretend to be somebody else who does something. Do it yourself. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. Lord, I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us and call us to carry on your work. Lord, I pray that you would put people in our paths and help us to recognize that. Help us to be praying about those situations, Lord. And help us to take risks and to reach out and to go up to people and allow you to lead, this, lead the conversation, Lord. Help us to have opportunities to testify about what you've done in our lives. Lord, help us to reach a dark world that doesn't know you. Help us to be good stewards, good examples with what you entrust with us. Lord, give us a boldness. I know it's scary. I've backed down myself. Lord, give us your boldness. Give us your heart for people that says, no matter how stupid I have to look or how crazy this might be, Lord, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to trust you. Father, help us to be like Esther. Hey, if I die, I die. Lord, give us those opportunities. Help us to recognize them and give us a boldness to follow through. Lord, in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. You are dismissed.